All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome again. Welcome to another episode of the Ball Never Lie podcast. I am one half of your host here. I am the coach. Luke Foe, man, what up? We back. Yes, sir, man. And as we know, it's it's starting to get to the end of that end of that NBA season. So again, we like to to thank everybody. We appreciate y'all for tapping in with us from the beginning of the season and from, from previous seasons. Oh man, we we truly appreciate y'all, man. We love to 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 talk shit, agree to disagree, man, and 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 get the ball rolling out here, man. So let's let's get it, man. But before we get started, I I must say to to shout out to to our man Showtime, aka Kalen Crane, first rookie, first year out overseas, man. Rookie season, already a champion, man. So again, double salute to him. We we've been giving him his shout out, his praises on this podcast, and it's, and it's been well deserved. And we just want to lead off with the show in the right way. So, so Showtime, yes, our salutes to you, man. We, we proud of you, man. We've been seeing the work you've been putting in for for a very long time, man. And 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 it's starting to pay off. So, salute to you, my guy. Man, that part that was that was beautiful to see, man. We got to get him up here. We, he got to talk about that overseas grind. We got to chop it up with him. Definitely, man. Definitely. The, like we said, the season, the season's coming to an end. So we'll definitely, definitely be ready for that conversation real soon, man. But like we said, man, we we here to the finals. But before we get to the finals, let's break down these conference finals, man. So what do you want to start with first? You want to start in the West or the East? Uh, let's start West because the East just ended. Um, Lakers and Denver was a shocker, let's say. That was a shocker. Um, going in, you had uh, a lot of people had faith in the Lakers, of course. Uh, the media didn't, so we can't act like the Lakers were um, favorites. They were definitely underdogs. But to get swept was hey, hey. Before you keep saying, before you keep going, don't don't tell Mike Malone that. Man, I don't know, I don't know what's up with him. He's he went from a favorable coach to a disliked coach very fast in these playoffs and it's been slowly creeping up but he showed his whole ass this playoffs he looked like a Karen after every game um it's nothing but complaints from him he never he never can I'm not even gonna say just shut your mouth but he can never just be happy about a win or be content Fuck being happy. You can't even be content. It's always a complaint. Well you guys don't like us and you guys don't talk about us and it's like, bro, we get you, man, but you're going to say it after every game? Pop your shit after a championship or something. Like, after every single game, you're just going to complain and cry? I didn't understand that. Because they never been there. they never been there. He don't know how to act. That, that shit annoyed me, too, after, like you said, after every win. And like you said, it's not about just being happy, but – like you said, man, just 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 taking victories and, and and move on. Like like Darvin Ham said, man, being humble in victory, man. Like we get it, and and who wants to? And, and at least for me, I wouldn't want my team to continue to be praised after after a win, and especially being in, in a in a championship run, man. Like you should be focused on how to get better and learn how to win, how to learn from your wins, and the same way you learn from your losses, but. But just to get to the uh, back to the core, man. I mean, shit. It, Jokic was was definitely the best player out there. There was there was there was no other way to say it. I mean, we thought, and and, and again, I, I'm gonna say this too. And 
before we get to the Lakers side. I I don't have these. I've I've stopped having huge expectations for for Anthony Davis as far as this this twenty five and fifteen guy. Like that's first of all, he was never he's never been that guy to be ball dominant uh, alpha as we as, as they call it, as we should say. He's never been that alpha male of a team. Now his consist his inconsistency on the offensive end definitely has has bothered me throughout the playoffs. But for for people to be calling his name out, how he shouldn't be top seventy five, how how he was trashed throughout the playoffs, it's it, it's very it's it's a it's a it's a nasty work, man. It's bad business. Like he was still the best defender of these playoffs, regardless. He just ran up against a buzzsaw and that. And that big serve where there was no answer for him. And he made Jokic work. You put anybody else on him in that series, and I guarantee you his numbers even look more crazier. Like he, this man is literally making fall away, not even fade away, fall away, just throwing up bullshit ass three pointers. And yes, he he practices, I'm sure. I'm not going to say he doesn't, but if you tell him to shoot that shot again, in any type of game situation, he ain't making it. And 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 maybe you can say I'm hating as a fan, but ain't no way. But again, Denver and, and the scheme of things, Denver's role players all stepped up and they literally played their best in in any series that I've ever seen. I've never seen Bruce Brown play up to that potential. And we mentioned how he was gonna be someone who can who can make a break a series. And he damn sure did. He broke D'Angelo Russell's soul. And, and part of that's the reason why he got to go. But then also as well, we saw KCP shoot the ball tremendously and so consistent where he would, it looked like he was back in the bubble again. So salute to him. Aaron, Aaron Gordon stepped up in moments where they needed him. And, and at the end, man, that's, that's what really won, won in the series, man. Well, also more into it, but the Lakers didn't – I wouldn't say the Lakers couldn't hang with them or anything like that. We maxed out. Our roster maxed out. We did everything we could. Braun out there playing on on, on fake feet at this point. No tendons. <laughs> off all every minute of the game. So I, I – and, and, and for us, we, we've never been the LeBron worshipers, as a lot of people are. So I definitely tip my cap to LeBron for that. Salute to him. Because he definitely could have sat out, could have made the excuses of, of 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 what was going on. I will say though, it was pretty lame of him to 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 bring a retirement, and we all know damn well he ain't gonna retire anytime soon. But uh, but that's him controlling the narrative. So hey, as long as he can make that shift off for my team of 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 being the headline talks of us getting swept so much and putting it on him, hey, I can live with that. But. But again, man, Denver Denver did what they were supposed to do as a number one seed. Let's not forget this. They were still a number one seed. They've been the best team in the West since the entire, since I want to say what, about December or at least all the way 2003 as far as calendar year of the NBA season. So they took care of business. They did what they did. Salute to Yoke. Salute to Murray too, because in that fourth quarter, we just couldn't find an answer for him, and and he shot the shot the lights out. So it's now, like we said, it's going to be interesting to see if they can now continue to put this together going forward. But only time will tell. Yeah, I mean, 
they were just a better team in a lot of a lot of senses. I don't think they were the better coach team. I just think they played better. Um, like you said, the role players stepped up. Guys, guys were acting fake. I'm not saying that they can't hoop, but a lot of things just went their way. And that's why I was telling people, like a lot of people were all complaining or like you said, trying to um blame AD. I mean not blame AD, but put AD down to a level that he's not at. He's still a top tier player. He's still a baller. <laughs> like all that talk was just people with frustrations. And sometimes dudes is just better. Like they came out, they did what they were supposed to do. Like you said, the role players stepped up to a tremendous level. Um, what's his name? Uh, J- Jamal Murray stepped up in the fourth quarter after having a terrible game. Like everything just went right. So if everything goes right, I'm not calling it luck, but you just got to live with that. It's, it's damn near impossible for everything to go right. Everything went right for them. So salute to them. Um, I, I don't know, man. It, I don't see a big problem with the Lakers because people are forgetting how great this was a, this was to even get to the Western Conference Finals, the turnaround that happened, the new life that these players brought. Yes, some things got exposed, but there's an offseason to work. There's a training camp to work. There's minimal trades. There's mid-level exceptions. There's a 17th pick we have. There's things to do that can make us better without making significant moves and turning over the roster for a third time in three years. We don't need to do that. I think they they come back, they get a training camp, they bond more, they get an offseason, and we rock out. No, definitely for sure, man. The the goals, the, the priorities on the Lakers list, we definitely bring back uh, Austin Reeves and Rui, and they they definitely showed their ass in that conference final. So, and outside of LeBron, they are arguably arguably our second and third most consistent players. So, big 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 salute to them, and, and especially Austin Reeves, who who's truly got out the mud, of course. And and then also too, you bring back Jared Vanderbilt, who's on a team friendly deal on a team option. And then, like you mentioned, it these guys are gonna have an off season now together and building that cohesiveness and then also working with coaches like Phil Handy and our skill work coaches, because we've seen what they were able to do with Rui and just in a matter of months. So let's say you get someone like a Jared Vanderbilt in there who can knock down those corner threes on a consistent basis, who now knows what his role is going to be on a, on a, on a night in night out basis of what to expect as far as, okay, you're going to be on the court with Bron and AD. You're going to have to be a floor spacer. This is where you're going to get most of your shots from. Not just the dunker spot, but then also to, like, we've we seen in the playoffs, teams leaving them, leaving them open in those corner, those open threes in the corner. That's going to be huge and essential for his development going forward. And then also, too, the Lake Rob, Rob can get a little tricky out here, too. He got, we got Malik Beasley. I think we bring him back, but to use as a trade exception piece with him making $16 million next year. And like you said, we got the number 17 pick. The Lakers already shown what they did and, and past history with second round picks. And we also got a number 47 pick. So thoughts could definitely be the limit. Um, we And when I say we, I mean the, the Laker Nation, we were definitely hard on, on Darvin Ham just throughout the year. And we seen what he was able to do as a coach when he was able to have talent and also players who can who can play his style of game and and we also have bigger wings. So that 
that helps when he when he has the the initial bodies that can go out there and and, and help play and, and do what he's supposed to and do what has to be done out there also as well. So definitely gonna be an interesting offseason for for the Lakers. Hopefully we can continue continue to build and keep this core together. Like you said, there's no makes no sense to to blow up the team again and and trying to go out and find players that 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 may fit the mold or we got a question as fans of are they going to perform out here at, in, in the purple and gold under the bright lights when we've seen a lot of these guys step up in big moments. So now who do we bring back? Who's going to walk away? Because, of course, players are going to start feeling themselves and look for either more money or, or bigger contracts that a one year flyer deal. So I, I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Beasley. I think we let um, we trade Mo Mamba, and um, he's making eleven million. Add you know, add a pick or something to it. We you know, we like you said, there's there's ways to really play around with this roster without making you know big moves. We can make one or two trades and just use our mid level exception in um in the uh, free agency. And then, I mean, I've already been kind of hinting at it but on Twitter, but I'm a firm believer we should trade this pick. I really want to trade this 17th pick. I understand why we wouldn't, but I definitely do want to trade it. And that could be something, you know, that they could look at too. Maybe, I mean, they're, they're really good scouts, so they could find somebody they love, but maybe they, you know, they don't find something they truly love and trade back and get a player or, trade out and get a player you know we never know we could play around with the second round pick cheaper money we already have max christie who um really didn't get a lot of playing time so next year he'll probably be in troy brown's role um stuff like that i don't know there's there's ways to kind of play with this roster without doing too much so it'll be interesting to see we'll we'll talk more about that when you know the the finals is over where we can deep dive into free agency yeah, definitely for sure, man. Let's let's shift our focus here to the East real quick, as as yeah. that series just got got wrapped up, and 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 I'm so I'm just so happy to see Boston take that L. They how and I love how everybody says, well, they almost did it, and I didn't I didn't know we we come out here and we celebrate second place. Like, is I don't know if that's how softened we've gotten as a sports a sports culture, or I don't know if that's just everybody's a winner mentality nowadays but last time i checked their their mantra was unfinished business their goal was to win a chip and to get back to the finals and 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 supposed to win the whole thing they were favorites throughout the whole season between them golden state and they were always the the one of the top tier favorites amongst betting gods nba the nba media whatever you want to call it and they fell short. I mean, even for us, we said the Celtics were going to win in seven before the series started. But the way everything turned out and, and became unfold, Boston definitely has to make some changes with this, with their, their roster, their, their, their coaching going forward. And, and that's nothing to take away from, from Miami because Miami walked in and they were facing a better roster on paper, as we all know. Boston again, like we, like I just said, we're supposed to get all the way to the finals, and to first of all be down three zero, it made me smile as a Laker fan, 
But that shit looks look pitiful, especially after game three. Like they, let's be honest, they all gave up out there from from their the comments off the court to the performance on the court. They, I'm, I'm, to me, they didn't expect to to actually win that series. I thought they were just playing with house money after game four. They won a game, game five. They said, okay, we can probably come back at home and and take one more. Game six, they definitely should have lost. I, I salute to Derek White for for making that extra effort play, but but they should have lost it right then and there. But game seven, it they everything came back to earth. They 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 stopped shooting the ball well at home. They Tatum got hurt in the first quarter, and even if he didn't, I still I had a hunch that they would lose that game, but I didn't think it really had that big of an, of an effect where they were going to win the game. Rather, if Jason Tatum was 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 um uh, had was fully healthy or not, but but yeah, man, it was it, it it definitely exposed Boston to overall what I thought of them, and well, I would say that made me realize. They won a lot of games just based off pure talent. It wasn't really a lot of coaching schemes or or adjustments that were really made throughout the whole playoffs. They just simply won because they were just a better roster overall. Yeah. Um, you know, that's kind of that's kind of been exposed for a while now that they're just pure talent. Um and I don't know that. It's a gift and a curse because sometimes, you know, they're they're human, so they're not going to make every shot or they're not going to always have it that night. So you kind of have to have, you know, a couple plays in that can get you an open look or that can get a mismatch to where, you know, you're in a pick and roll and get an easy dunk or something and get you going just to see something go in the basket. But, man, it seems like they don't have that. It's just ISO or they play they play good defense and get out in transition. You never really see, like, a flare screen, then a backdoor cut from the corner, back up top for a three. Like, it's never that. It's it's some simple pass the ball to Jalen Brown. He does an ISO, two hezzy crossover, shoots from the free throw line. Or you get a ball to Tatum. He does a couple jab steps and either tries to drive or does a step back three. It's real simple basketball for them. And because, like you said, they're so talented, and their length to me it's always been you know your two best players being wings is is always like a plus to me um you look at Kevin Durant you look at the Clippers you look at old Melo like you can just go back and wings I mean guards of course if you're you know six six but wings being your best players is always going to be a plus so they kind of have height advantage over you know, the defenders, because most of the defenders in the league are guards. You look at the, I mean, they have two on their team, Marcus Martin and Derek White, but the rest of the league, Patrick Beverly's, guys like that, it's always guards. So they're always going to have some type of mismatch and they always expose the mismatch, but they matched up with a team that can match up well with them. And they are going against a legendary coach at the end of the day. Eric Spoelstra might go down as a top five coach when it's all said and done. You know, so they went against that and went down 3-0. Now, the comeback was great. You know, you come back, it's 3-3, and then unfortunate happens. Fucking Jason Tatum gets injured on the first play. Very first play. Turned ankle. He was never the same. He still, what's the sad part is, 
he still contributed more than Jalen Brown. And that's sure just disgusting did. to me. It's so disgusting to me that I I mean I said it during the game. I said it during the series. Jalen Brown gotta go. You gotta let this guy go. You can have you you sell high. You can have so many options while still keeping this team pretty much intact. Um I don't think Joe Missoula needs to get fired, but I do believe that this upcoming season will be a hot seat type season for him. And that's sad because he's still young and early, but it's just the talent you have. You can't keep them together for too long without, you know, major blowups. So it's winner go home kind of for everybody, but Tatum, to be honest, everybody's kind of, I know Tatum shit at the bed um, in a championship last year, but throughout this season and last season, not playoffs, but last season, He's already shown who he is. Tatum is a superstar. Whether people like it or not, he's a superstar. He has superstar qualities. He has superstar game. Everything about him screams superstar. So the Celtics are going to have to do everything right by him, even if, you know, he doesn't win at all. He's going to always be and should be their franchise guy. So you got to keep him happy while also keeping the team good, good enough to you know, even make it back because you don't you don't go to the finals too often in, in your career unless, you know, you're a generation of talent like LeBron and Kobe. But that don't happen a lot for everybody. Everybody don't go to the finals five, six, seven times. So when you have that striking window, you got to attack. No, that's – I definitely co-sign that. And, and you already led into my next – my question I was going to ask you. I would definitely look at exploring the different trade options you got for Jalen Brown because, and and this is part of the reason why for me, I don't feel comfortable of giving him a super max deal, rather if it's 295 or 300 million, whatever. I'm not comfortable with that, knowing that the same mistakes and the same things that's cost us this year has now played this for two years consecutively. And if people are watching the game, Yes, he's turned the ball over like crazy. And when I say this, it's going to make it seem like it's – it's to me, I, I it's mind-blowing to me. All of his turnovers are going left. Like, if if you got – if people are really watching and, and you can even go look back at all his turnovers and that last game seven, he can't dribble going left. And, yes, I understand the joke is who has a better handle than him right now on Twitter and amongst NBA Twitter, but – Dude, this has really been this is really a concerning problem, especially for someone who handles the ball a lot and has the ball a lot in his hands and has to dribble and make moves off the bounce to to get his to get his his offense to get his points off. Now, again, part of that goes back on the coaching where you have to put these players in better situations. Like you said, staying a down screen, putting them in pick and rolls all coming from the baseline and and just all different sorts of sets where you can move them around instead of just catching the ball from the wing and having them load up. And now everybody knows what's going to happen or, or what's their, their, that person's go-to move. So it, but so part of that goes on coaching, but a lot of that is on him as well. So I would definitely look at the, the, the overall trade pieces. I know they've been rumors floating around about Portland, maybe, uh, I wouldn't trade for Anthony Simons and a third overall pick because I don't think that gets you that that doesn't keep you in finals contention. But if you can 
if the pieces are around between Jalen Brown and Damian Lillard, I would definitely pull that if I was Boston because now you definitely get a, a, a leader and someone you know in the clutch who's going to knock down shots regardless for your team. And and then also, too, as well, like you said, just just with Joe Mazzula, I think he is going to be on the hot seat also as well. Like you said, it's, it, it kind of doesn't make sense just because he's he's a young coach. He's We're damn near just a few years younger than him. But at the same time, this is a win-now mode. And with the coaches that are floating out there, and we now know that we see you could be a top coach being let go any day of the week. I could definitely see Boston keeping keeping their their eyes open, their ears open for for the for the next coach coming down the 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 pipeline. Yeah, I mean, when you have Monty out there, like you said, and other coaches, you got to kind of think about it. I mean, I know they won't be dumb enough to go after Doc Rivers, but you know he's still a name at the end of the day, um, and he has history in Boston. So in general, you're always gonna you're always going to look to upgrade. I'm not saying Doc Rivers is an upgrade. Y'all know how I feel. But I'm just saying, in general, teams aren't going to just sit on their ass, especially when they can get better. So he's definitely on the hot seat. And it's going to be an interesting offseason for them as well. They're kind of in the same situation as the Lakers. I don't think they should play with their roster too much. Maybe some fine tunes. Um, You got to check out. I mean, I know Robert Williams was throwing up in game seven, but you got to check out his injury for real because throughout the season, if you really watch them, they don't really play him more than like 22 minutes. And I get, I get it. You're trying to avoid injury, but if he can't stay healthy and he does show flashes, you, you know, why, why not sell high again? I know I keep saying this, but there's a lot of guys where you could just sell high and move on. It is what it is. If they, if they ball out somewhere else, cool, but sell high. Like the Warriors, they took too long to sell high on James Wiseman, and they didn't really do nothing but get Gary Payton back, which they already had. So that that shows you that if you don't sell high, you fail. So that's an option for him, too. Al Horford ain't getting younger. Um, he gave them all he could give them. He gave them all Literally. he could give them. And he did, he did a lot. He was great. He was great this playoffs. I, I was really impressed with him. I think he... He saved himself another year or two, maybe, on any team, maybe even the even Boston. But you got to look to maybe even I was um I was telling a couple Celtics fans maybe even you know Miles Turner is available. We know he's available. Yeah, he signed his contract extension, but the right move. Who's gonna say no? So you got to look at guys like that, and um I think that'll be a major upgrade. Shooter, defender, pick and roll guy. That'll be an upgrade for the Celtics, and they they can go right back where they're supposed to be. But fine tunes for them as well. But we'll see we'll see what they do. Yeah, man, it's it's, it's going to be a, an interesting summer and off season for Boston. But we don't want to talk too about too much about them damn losers. We definitely gonna give Miami Heat they flowers for for what they've done and and getting to the finals. And again, we said from the beginning of this, we said we get before the series started. It will come down to coaching, man, and, and whatever Coach Spolster does to whatever he says and to his team, whatever he's putting in that in that Gatorade cooler to to get the best out of your players and have them perform well. I don't think people really understand that part and that aspect of coaching. 
to to just motivate players and of course the development part because we we and not just to beat the to beat the drum but yes we get it we all know that they have undrafted players and and part of this is is me I'm, I'm not gonna knock the the players for being undrafted but let's just stop killing it let's just kill this narrative now they're nba players players get undrafted a lot now all the time especially not nowadays that's your NBA tout, that's your NBA scouts fault and your front office fault for not going in and recognizing these players that are out there for whatever reason. And if they can't develop players and a lot of teams came to develop players who are draft picks and we see these dudes sitting on the bench or out of the league, Miami has found guys to fit their culture, fit the style of play and being able to have these guys collectively buy in and sacrifice. So again, I give a huge salute to to Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra, and those who we don't know on their on their scouting department and and, and development team of actually going out there and finding those guys of of who fits the bill and and can hoop because Gabe Vincent definitely stepped up and and played big in moments. Caleb Martin arguably could have been the the Eastern Conference MVP because the way he was shooting that that ball, man. It, I, that that shit. I'm lost for words. Like, and and not just because it was him, but for anybody to shoot 60 percent from the field, damn near 50 percent from the three point line. That's and over a course of a seven game series, that shit is not easy. I don't care who you are. And it was funny because before the se- when it, when the series was starting, he was like, "They leaving me open. I'm taking that as disrespect." And as many guys who get lo- left open across this league. I really hope they watch that Caleb Martin series and they take a page out of that man's book because anytime he was open, that man was firing. And that built his confidence. And we've seen how it carried over and hopefully it carries over for him for the NBA Finals too. So salute to him, salute to Max Struess of the world, Gabe Vincent, hell, even Duncan Robinson, man. Game six, he he came back, could have won in the game. Game seven, he stepped up big and and, and shut the door on, on Boston, man. So... Definitely got to give Miami Heat their flowers for the way they played and, and and for that coaching staff also. Yeah, I mean, man, they were they were great. There's no denying that. Every that, just like the Nuggets, which is going to be you know fun for the finals. Every role player stepped up in different ways for that team. Even um, Highsmith, he came in, got a couple steals, gave yeah. some energy to that team, and again, that's saluting the coach, man. You you know what you're doing. Shout out to Eric Spolstra. He's he's setting the mold for how to coach. I'm not even gonna say talent, but how to coach a team that has different, you know, different playing styles. Because in reality, this you look at this roster just off the names. It's like oh, this is average, but they don't play average. They're in the finals. They don't play like an average team. They they lock down on defense, even though they don't have the best defenders. They have two good defenders in Bam and Jimmy, and the other guys just, you know, try their hardest. Well, Gabe Vincent's a, a defender, too. But um, he took out uh, Kevin Love from, from the, the starting lineup and added in Caleb Martin, riding with the hot hand. That's another, you know, good thing to do as a coach. So at the end of the day, it came down to their role players stepping up and Eric Spolstra outcoaching Joe Mazzulla. It's really that simple. Now, the guys stepped up, yes. But out coaching somebody 
makes a big difference. It puts you in a better position to win. No matter what nobody says, a lot of people believe, oh, you know, NBA players are NBA players. It's not really about coaching. But Eric Sposter just showed you that it's about coaching. It, a coach changes this game. It's, it's a chess match at the end of the day because basketball is about runs. One team is going to go on a run, and then if the other team is good enough, they're going to go on a run. Sometimes teams get blown out after a run. Cool. But if you're a good enough team, you can weather that storm of someone going on a 17-4 run. Now you go on a 10-0 run, and you're not down by much, and now it's a close game right back. So, it, like I said, it's a chess match, and <laughs> Joe Mazzula lost. Clear as day, he lost. He, I think he mismanaged. Um, He kept putting Tatum on a bench like, in crucial moments, and it, it damn near... I've seen so many Celtic fans tweet this, but it, it fucked him up. They could have won multiple games where he had sat him at the wrong time, and then the Heat went on a big run. Now, Tatum's not the savior, but he's your star player. Same way with LeBron and AD. They damn near had to play 48 minutes. Tatum's young enough. He he basically has to play 48 minutes. It's, it's winner go home. So... Man. It's small things like that that make you lose games and make you lose that chess match, and that's honestly what happened right there. No, definitely for sure, man. Coach Coach Spolster definitely outclassed him, outclassed Joe Mazzula, and and showing him how to coach, especially not just the coaching part, but coaching when the roster that you guys have again, <laughs> no Tyler Hero, no Victor Oladipo. And these are essential role players that are out for the Heat, and and, and guys stepped up and into bigger roles, and 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 this is why they're they're able to advance. So, salute to them, man. And and now we 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 get to the big show, man. We we here in the NBA Finals. Let's 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 break it down. We can get into predictions, man. But I, I I'll let you start it off, man. How how you feeling about the matchup going into it? I mean, it's one of the most boring NBA Finals. Ever, I know I'm not supposed to say that, but it's true. <laughs> um, it's it's definitely boring. At the end of the day, obviously Caleb Martin and and Jimmy Butler have. I mean Jimmy Butler digressed, but Caleb Martin has brought some life into the playoffs because obviously the big, the big team, the big names other than the Celtics were pretty much out. So it's kind of like not underdogs, but you know the guys we never expected to be here are now here, which is you know, different for us, so we got to adjust, but um, I think this is another role-player series where the role-players are going to do what they do because we know the stars are going to do what they do. Um, I do think Bam has to step up. He's been getting carried, and he has oh, to get talked about because they've been winning, but, man, has he been playing terrible. He's been playing terrible, terrible, terrible. Okay, nobody deny that. So you beat me to it. <laughs> this is the series where he has to step up, and if he doesn't, I don't know. Because, I I mean, we can count on Caleb Martin to maybe give you 15, but we can't continue to count on Duncan Robinson to who um, Kyle Lowry is hit or miss. Gabe Vincent, if his shot's not falling. Well, really, if he stays out of foul trouble, he's, he's decent, but he always in foul trouble, so it's like it's going to have to be – you you know, at least 60% of your starters. It can't just be Jimmy Butler and Caleb Martin. So, I don't know. I think I'm rooting for the Heat uh, after what Mike Malone did. And 
I don't I already don't like Jamal Murray, and I hate the national media loving Jokic so much. Um, so that's why I'm on them. But I could see the Nuggets winning in six, but I'm going for Heat in seven. Yeah, man. I, I, I it's funny because. We all know the finals. We all want the Lakers and Celtics NBA final matchup or even the Heat and Lakers. For us, we want the Lakers, damn it. Simple as that. Then nobody over here want to see the Nuggets and the Heat finals matchup. But now that we got it, like you said, it's going to come down to, to the role players. And I'm interested to see how Denver actually matches up with Miami only because you asked, I asked the question, who's going to guard Jimmy Butler in crunch time? It's not going to be KCP. You're gonna, it's not gonna be Jamal Murray. You're gonna have to put somebody like an Aaron Gordon on him, which is gonna be interesting. So then now this comes back to the point we just brought up. Is Bam gonna step up? Is he gonna make Jokic play? Is he gonna make Jokic defend him? Because if he doesn't, Jokic is gonna go out there and have about 240 point triple doubles. He's gonna win the MVP. And then we're gonna have to the 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 quiet talks are now gonna start whispering of. Is he the best player in the league after two MB- two regular season NBA final uh, MVPs and then now coming off a of finals MVP? You know that's going to be the narrative going into it. And then mm-hmm. also, too, I want to see how, how Spolstra guards Jokic because we know he's not going to let him just go one-on-one or line him up with Bam. Is he going to go a zone? Is he going to try to trap him? Or is he going to try to take the ball out of his hands for trying to bring it up full court? Those little things I'm always interested to see, the coaching matchup, the the adjustments made within the game, not just throughout the series, but how they adjust on the fly. And then I want to see how Mike Malone can can combat that because this is now the first series where I think Mike Malone actually has to worry about an, uh, another coach on the other side because, of course, we already – just the, the Denver's path to get into the finals. Chris Finch, no disrespect to him. But Minnesota is is what's the word I'm looking for right now? Not even just discombobulated, but they they're just they're just out of sync right now, out of sort. The the Phoenix Suns, we knew they were gonna get them off the floor only because they they didn't have the 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 right roster pieces to even compete with a Denver. They only pretty much had two players out of out of Katie and Book, which we knew going into that. Darvin Ham, it was his first conference finals as a head coach. And honestly, he did everything he could. He he pulled the right right um, rotations out. He made the right sort of pieces. Again, just came down to a better roster, being better than us, and, and us getting maxed out. Now, again, this is really going to decide to me and, and truly truly show if, if if Mike Malone is is one of them ones or is he just a just someone who has a, a good team that's just put in a, in a great position now. And I, that's what I, I want to look forward to see. And then also, too, how often is Jimmy Butler going to guard a, a Jamal Murray? Or are they going to put Gabe Vincent on him? Those little things like that is going to be interesting to see throughout the through, through the series of playoffs. But in the end, I am rooting for Miami. As a, as a Laker fan, I hope Miami can find a way to take it. But I do see it being a, a, a Denver Nuggets victory. I would say, like you said, Nuggets in seven. But I will say this. If at any time, if Miami gets to three wins in this series, shit, you could throw that game seven out the window, honestly, because we 
we we just saw how 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 they play in the game seven, especially in Boston, where that ain't easy. Where we've seen LeBron go down and and lose. We've seen the Lakers get waxed off the floor in, in the TD Garden, whatever they want to call it now. Miami ran Boston off the floor by 19 or by 20, damn near 20 piece. So them going up to Denver, they they ain't gonna be they they ain't gonna be too afraid of that task at 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 hand. And then also too, I forgot. It's gonna be interesting to see if Tyler Hero does come back in this series too. They they mentioned he could possibly be around in the game three. That that does help him. It gives him another scoring option on the floor, and it gives him another floor spacer with now, which now opens up the different driving lanes also for for Jimmy and these guys to attack from. So even if he's not fully hundred percent, it'd be interesting to see if he can just be a decoy out there also. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he comes back. Do you put Struess on the bench? Or do you put Caleb Martin back on the bench? Like, or does Tyler Hero come off the bench? That's really what I'm interested to see because I kind of want all, all three of those guys to start together when I'm shrews. I, I want my my idea would be, you know, basically regular starters, but Gabe Vincent, um, Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, Caleb Martin, and Bam. That's how I would, you know, go about it. But again, um, Spolstra's the coach. He'll he'll figure it out. But I'm very interested to see how that works just in general because, like you said, it's another scoring option. But it, honestly, it's another real threat. He's a threat, a three-level threat, driving, mid-range, and three-pointing. Um, he's gotten better this season in passing, too. He ran a lot of point guard for, like, the second unit, even though he was starting. So... That option, especially that means less Kyle Lowry uh, minutes. So that option would be amazing to me. Can't wait to see it. Yeah, man, I hope I hope he can make his way back in this series, man, because it, it definitely spices things up and, and it makes it better, makes it more exciting, man. So we'll we'll see. Hopefully, again, nobody gets hurt throughout these playoffs, no significant injuries. We, we just want to see a, a great seven-game series. Hopefully this it isn't a boring, dull series. But again, we'll 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 see, man. Like 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 we've been saying, it's again, it's been a, a fun season, a great NBA playoffs, man. So hopefully now this finals can 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 now end it on a high note and on a great note for for fans to enjoy. Yeah, I mean, that's all we can ask for at the end of the day. It's it's definitely been a good playoffs, no denying it. Um, everything about the playoffs is what we wanted. You see. Role play the you know the story of this playoffs honestly is role players stepping up, and that's you know that's what the playoffs is made for. Those guys that aren't the stars, every game is going to be one role player that wins them that game, and you get talked about for a little bit. You edge your name and I mean sketch your name in history. So there's none more we can ask for from this playoffs. Of course, like I said. I believe, you know, the finals is boring, but it's still good basketball being played. And obviously I'm going to watch it and analyze it and enjoy it. Yeah, man, just as NBA fans, we already know we're going to enjoy it, break down, break it down on Twitter or, or here. So y'all already know, just kind of tap in with us, man. We we can't wait to, to tomorrow, to, to Thursday, to get this thing started. But let's transition a little bit, man, to, to off-the-court things. We just seen... Um, from the Warriors, uh, they've lost a huge piece to their to their dynasty, and 
And I think it's the first domino to to affect the, the the rest of what can happen in Golden State. So those don't know, General Manager Bob Myers has stepped down. He will not return to Golden State next year. Um, kind of already said how how I thought about things. And again, thought this was a an, an interesting piece for for Golden State to lose because again we've seen how connected Bob Myers were to. To Steph Clay and Draymond and to Steve Curry, they were pretty much as far as tied to the hip as far as their success. Um, we've seen them, we've seen Bob Myers be an integral piece of bringing in Kevin Durant, which led to two more championships. And not even just the big pieces, but the small pieces, the role pieces also as well. Bringing in an Andre Iguodala, drafting a Draymond Green, also bringing in a Steve Curry to be the head coach. And then also the, the deals he did not make also Let's also remember how everybody was saying they should trade Kevin Love for for Clay Thompson, and even though Jerry West was still up to him, he never followed through with that. So that was good on his part. And then also too, just bringing in the right pieces to build a championship team like Deshaun Livingston, who's now part of the Warriors staff and, and front office. I'm not sure if it's coaching side or front office, but I know he's a part of their that group still. And then also Barbosa bringing Leandro Barbosa as a player who's now coaching this league too as well. So how, how, how do you feel about it? What, how do you think that this shapes the Warriors' future going forward? I mean, we ain't going to sugarcoat it. The dynasty's over. It's over. Um, You already, you know, you ran down the list of what Bob Myers has done. So you tell me how, not literally you, but tell me how you replace that. I don't think you can. And obviously, you have aging superstars. Um, there's a lot to talk about there of who should do what, but it's over. It's honestly over, and you know, people gonna think, "Oh, that's a hot take." Let's let's write that down. But it's true, man. I, I just right now, because we don't see there is no talks of who's coming in or how do you replace. There's none of those talks, and we're not gonna sit here and act like we know what's going on. He stepped down for a reason, and after everything he's done, after four championships, you don't just step down for no reason. You know what I mean? Like we seen, she's the right on the wall. Yeah, we we see shit brewing. We see we see each domino falling, and right now that's one of the biggest dominoes. That is the biggest domino. That's bigger than the punch. The punch ruined their season, yes, but your GM who in every, a lot of people's eyes is either the best or or top three best executives in this league has just left the team. While you have to figure out what you're doing with Poole, what you're doing with Draymond, it's Clay staying, um, the luxury tax, all those things factor in this offseason. It's, it's, this is a big offseason for the Warriors as well. That's the funny part. So for him to leave, to me, I'm saying it's over. It's over for them. Yeah, man. It's this. This looks like the the what, what do people say that the light at the end of the tunnel because it's it's damn sure starting to get there, man. I think <laughs> I think part of the reason why the Bob Myers left is because like we already talking about, he ain't want he didn't want to pay and give long term extensions to Clay Thompson and Draymond Green. He he sees the writing on the wall, man. Then also too. We know he's going to have to start thinking about Jonathan Kaminga. He's going to be doing for a rookie extension soon. Do you do you trade him and 
and potentially lose out on what he can do because he showed bright spots in the season of what he can become when you guys, when they gave him minutes and when he knew the role that he was playing. So it's, it, like we said, it's, it's definitely the, the first do, uh, domino to fall. It's uh, a punch to the gut, no pun intended, to the to the Warriors team. And then, like you said, we, we don't know for sure who they're going to bring in as far as by what executive or, or front office person. Little rumblings that, that have been um, started or swirling around is that Mike Dunleavy Jr., former player in the league, for those who don't know, um, it's kind of one of – he's one of the uh, people – who are, who are up for the position, I guess it comes down to does he want to be that day-to-day person and, and take on those responsibilities and those tasks? And then also, too, they're saying the <laughs> Joe Lacob's son, who's the, the, the worst owner, his son might be stepping in that, into that position. And I can tell you now, nepotism doesn't always go well in, in the workplace, especially in something like this, where we don't know this guy's basketball acumen. We don't know how how he works, how he moves. We just know he's the owner's son. We're not going to speculate too much into that. So again, like we said, we just want to see how things play out and how are things going to go forward, man. Like you said, this is a huge offseason for for Golden State. The sooner they they start to move forward and and get their next guy into place, then the faster they can start to make those decisions as far as does if if Draymond opts in, what do you do? If he opts out, what do you not do? Or what do you do? Do you give Clay that that big extension that he wants because he wants to get paid nearly at the top as a top tier player? So they they got some they got some decisions they definitely got to make over there for sure. Yeah, I mean, um, like you said, Dunleavy's been there for a little while, so maybe he does take control and maybe the train keeps rolling, but. I don't know, man. I really don't know what they do. I really thought it was over last uh, last offseason. I'm not going to lie. So I could be wrong again, you know, this offseason. But I truly don't think I'm wrong this time, man. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, and then also, too, we got to remember, this is Steve Kerr has one year left on his contract. So after this season, does he return or not? Also, as well, depending on who you bring in and how that relationship goes as far as Coach GM, because – they have to see eye to eye on what they have to build and bring in also as well. So let's say if you do bring in a Mike Dunleavy Jr. or or Joe Lake or something, whoever it is, if they're not seeing the eye to eye, you could def I could definitely see Steve Kerr walking away. And I don't know. I can definitely, and this is me just randomly just just talking shit here. I can see him transitioning and probably going to another franchise, let's say. San Antonio Spurs, because Coach Pop ain't going to be coaching for too long. So that's definitely something we got to keep our eye on. Yeah, I've been seeing little – I'm not going to call them fake pages, but I've been seeing kind of like fan pages say that. Like, could he be leaving to be the successor of um, Greg Popovich? But I don't know. That that would be an interesting turn of events too, so – I don't know. We, we just got to wait, honestly. We just got to wait to That's see what happens. Because I definitely got another thing. I, I don't want to say a think piece, but I definitely – I think something about the Spurs that I'll get into in the, in the offseason when, when we get when, – when it's, when it's their justice turn, we can talk about them. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, there was some more coaching changes. Do you like the Nick Nurse hiring? With this Philly roster, man, it's, it's hard for me to say of what he could do with this Philly roster. You – 
you got to get some more pieces off that bench. You got to support that bench and and really bring in and bring in some some talent off of that bench. You it, in order for Philly to succeed, well, first of all, they they got the right guy out of there. Doc shouldn't be out of there. I will say that Nick Nurse is going to be interesting to see because now we we've seen him come from a Toronto team where the expectations and the and was not always there for him as far as to compete and win. So anything that he ever did, it was almost he was overachieving. He's always been an overachieving coach, pretty much from 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 his time there. Now, now you're going to be putting the limelight every day. You're not in Toronto anymore. You're not in Canada, where the media doesn't doesn't at least the U.S. media, I should say, doesn't doesn't see you on a day to day basis. You're now in a city where where they expect you to win championships. I don't I don't know why they Philly should expect to win championships. It's not like they they have in basketball, but whatever. But again, they expect him to win. They expect him to go far. Now you got Joel Embiid. Can you keep him healthy? Can you can you, can you ride him for? I'm not saying a full 82 game season because we know he's not going to play a full 82 game season. But can you keep him healthy up all the way into playoff time? What are they going to do with James Harden? Because I wouldn't give James Harden the full max. I'll just start there. I'm not giving him no full max. If I got to sign and trade him off to somewhere outside of Houston where I can get pieces back and continue to build and keep myself in contender mode, then that's what I'll do. But if not, then if he wants to to opt out, then of course you gotta you gotta make sure you sign and trade him. If he opts in and he thinks he's gonna get that deal from Daryl Morey, then shit. That's that's gonna be a, a shit storm in itself. But I, I definitely think Philly has the uh, the right coach at hand. I will say now it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how how he takes in expectations and how this roster going forward is gonna be built. Because if this is the same team that goes into next season, we might as well expect the same results. And I don't even think Philly may not even get out of the first round, depending on who's healthy and and, and what teams are what teams make moves and whatnot. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. It's I like the Nick Nurse hiring, but the James Harden factor just changes a lot for me on what happens with him and how they go about handling his contract or handling his trade. Um, as we know, Daryl Morey's in love with him, so who knows? He really might get you know a big contract, which will make me just believe that they aren't committed to winning. They're committed to making the two superstars happy, honestly. And that's the recipe for disaster. You, At the end of the day, you still have to take control of a team, not of two players. So I don't know. They, I mean, you already mentioned it, but I've been saying it. They, that bench is trash. So that, that has to be fixed. And then they have to, which I, I believe Nick Nurse will, but they have to utilize Maxi way more. He's shown enough to where he can be that number two. Yes. So I don't know. Yeah, man, I definitely, especially for for Maxi's growth too. It, it definitely depends on a lot of if, if James Harden is there or not. Because, like you said, and we've stated before, Maxi can go, man. There's no reason why Doc and Philly shouldn't utilize him more if they really want to win that series. Like I said, I think just standing off ball and just standing off in the corner way too much to not use his speed and athleticism, especially in an open court or the spacing that you have in that court. 
into not putting him in more pick and rolls with Harden, especially seeing the way that James has played and knowing his past performance in history and playing in playoffs. I'm going to just stop right there because this shit is pissing me off right now. I don't get it. But again, good luck to Nick Nurse and, and we'll see what, what moves Philly make. And, and then we also had another coaching hiring uh, in the NBA uh, with Adrian Griffin and him now leaving also, also leaving Toronto and joining Milwaukee as a, as a head coach there. We all heard that Giannis um, co-signed and signed off on him on being the, 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 the head coach there. And for those who don't know who Adrian Griffin is, former NBA player, also in the league, he's definitely – he's been an assistant for a while now. He's been an assistant in Chicago, been an assistant in Toronto. He was a part of that, that championship coaching staff that won in 2019 in Toronto. So, so, so how do you feel about the hire um, with, with, for Milwaukee? I was kind of left field. I thought Nick Nurse would get that job. Honestly, I just – for some reason, I've seen that happening, and I've seen him – running the Bucks exactly how he ran the Raptors, just with better talent, obviously with Giannis. So that was the shocker for me. And then it was even more of a shocker, which I should have assumed, but it was even more of a shocker when they said that Giannis was basically the co-signer. And then what shocked me for the really the most was they had the private dinner and it was only Giannis and Chris Middleton, no Drew Holiday. So let's break that down. That means if Middleton was in the meeting and he's a free agent, that obviously he's means staying. he's staying. And then for Drew not being in that meeting, obviously it's, you know, speculation, but what does that mean? Cause I had already seen um, one of the reporters ask him, you know, do you think you'll be moved or will you move on or anything? And he expects to stay. So that was pretty weird. You know, that doesn't just happen for no reason. Um, Especially, I can understand if Drew was like a far off third option, but he's really the damn near the second option, and he's he's the glue. Yeah, he's the and, glue. and they won a championship, so it's not like he shouldn't be in that meeting. So maybe you know people, not people, but maybe I'm thinking about it too hard. But that just don't make sense to me. No, it doesn't. I mean, like you said, because we. The, the questions were before the hiring, would Middleton come back? Would, would, would Milwaukee be looking to bring in Middleton? And then also as well, like you, like you said before, I, I thought Drew Holiday should have been at that table only because he, like, like we just, like I just said, he's been a glue to that team, the, the most constant piece on that team as far as when players are in and out. And then also, too, you don't win a championship without him. We've seen the defensive stops that he made throughout the, their championship year. So, like you said, it's definitely been interesting. I thought it was – I even thought it was weird just just because of, like you said, the the rumblings of, of Drew Holiday coming out saying that he wants to stay in Milwaukee. I thought that was, like, one of those given things that he would retire in Milwaukee. But so that that is a little interesting, man. But I, I thought I thought the, the hire – it was well-deserved for Adrian Griffin. Um, he definitely deserves to be a head coach in this league. He's definitely putting the time – He's not one of these dudes who just retired and then all of a sudden, three minutes later, he's a head coach. Um, but 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 yeah, I thought I definitely thought Nick Nurse would take the Milwaukee job. I thought he was going to be the hire for them because, like you said, it's kind of Toronto, but just upgraded with as far as the pieces that you have there. And then also, too, I thought Monty Williams might 
might have gotten that that um the Milwaukee job also as well. I would have been it would have been interesting to see him work with Giannis. We know he's been he's coached Drew Holiday before, but but hey, one thing I will say, black if a black man gets a head coaching job, it's always a salute. So hey, congratulations to Adrian Griffin. I will say that. Uh, wish him nothing but success in this league. And but we will see how how this now affects Milwaukee's thought process as far as who they bring in or what type of team that they build going forward. Yeah, I I know it's gonna sound stupid because I, I wanted Darby Ham so bad, but I think that AJ Griffin, I mean AJ, Aaron Griffin, Adrian Griffin <laughs> should have went to the Pistons. And what I'm about to say again is contradicting, but I don't subscribe too much to rookie coaches going to veteran teams because one, he's set up to fail. It's, it's the same with rookies, but he's set up to fail if he doesn't meet the same criteria that the previous coach had. You get what I'm saying? Like he's, He's supposed to be better. So if he's supposed to right. be better, he can't make mistakes, but he's a rick, rookie coach, so he's going to make mistakes. So it's kind of weird, you know? No, I get you. I, I and, and that makes a lot of sense. So I think, obviously, you know, the Rockets is a different story. Nobody, no rookie coach could go fix that. But I think for his coaching stature, obviously he's a longtime assistant. So he has the skills he has the mindset so i think that should be instilled and he should like to me rookie coaches should grow with rookie talent so you guys are bo both learning at the same time now it could be vice versa uh, a veteran coach could go fix rookie talent which i i understand too but i just i feel like you're set up to fail more if you have no room for you know, no room for mistakes. So that was my only like eh, about it, but I still like it. Obviously, it's another black coach, so that's amazing in itself. Where you know we're getting deeper and deeper in this league, and that's that's always going to be a plus, and that's great. You know, for our culture in general. But I don't know. I just don't want to. I don't want him to be looked at and be. I mean, same shit happened to Darvin Ham. They're gonna nitpick every little thing because of the talent you have, and it's kind of not fair because you're this is your first time in a real position where you're controlling everything. As an assistant, you get suggestions and you have certain players that you work with, but as the head coach, you're working with the office, you're working with every single player, and you're working with your staff. So that's a big difference, and you got to take heat in the media. Assistant coaches don't take no heat in the media at all, unless you do some crazy shit, but in a win or a loss, they don't, they're not even talked about. So now you're going to be talked about on a, you know, national media because you have a former MVP and you have a former defensive player of the year and you have former champions on your, on your, uh, on your team. So I don't know. Yeah, man, it's, it's like you said, it's, it's a challenge, man. That's, that's definitely going to come with it. We got to see who also, who he brings onto his bench with him. That's definitely going to be huge suit for a first time assistant. Uh, not for a first time assistant, my bad, but a first time head coach who's been in assistant role. So it's, 
it, it's definitely going to be intriguing how he feels his bench out, who he brings with him. We just heard how Boston is losing three of their top assistants who are going over to Houston for to uh, play with Udoka. So, well, to coach with him. So it's definitely going to be interesting of of how these these new coaching hires now bring bring in their coaching staff and and how their vision is going forward as far as what they want to implement. Yeah, I, I'm. I can't say I'm shocked about the assistants leaving, but it's shocking how quick that happened. Obviously, they they just lost, but that's. That's a another big a big blow that we didn't talk about either. That you, I'm glad you mentioned because, again, assistant coaches are vital to every team, very vital. So that's gonna. I don't know. The Celtics got a lot of turmoil over there, and it started with a dude sleeping with a female. That's the crazy part. <laughs> that's what started all of this. So it, it, all that could have been kept in house. All that could have been kept in house. You could have. There's no we always there's no reason why Udoka shouldn't have been fired. They were two adults who made that decision on their own. But hey, Boston now has to has to has to live with that. And then Udoka has clearly moved on. And we see that he ain't holding no grudges after either. Because and it's interesting that you did say how fast it's not that they left to go to Houston, but you pretty much just left 24 hours right after. That end, it was just like, yeah, we're gone. Like we're we had to Houston, so that that says a lot about Missoula that 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 hasn't been said. I should say. Yeah, and it says a lot about Ime Adoka too. They truly believe in him, and they truly, you know, think that they could be better over there. Which is weird because obviously the Celtics are way better. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see what, what goes on over there, but that's weird. Yeah, man, for, for sure. I, I can't I can't wait. There's always – and the funny part, but, yes, we get that the, the NBA season's ending and as far as the, the, the games and, and the playoffs, and it's been an exciting playoffs, incredible playoffs going on. But there's always different layers in, inside the NBA season. So, yeah, we're going to be sad there's no games played, but we got to remember we got the draft coming up, free agency – Summer League. So all of these things, man, are going to correlate. There's always new layers to be excited for as far as within the NBA. Because like we've stated before, this is the best reality show that we got. That, that's on TV. So when it does have its, have its little hiatus and its little breaks from, from the league, then, then, then now what do we have to uh, – there's more to look forward to within the NBA season. Then there's also, too, like we always say, basketball never stops, man. So continue to enjoy your hoops. That's going to be going on. Get to get to know new names and, and and see familiar faces in different places, and also go out too, man, and, and enjoy some of these hoops that are around that you're able to to see and tap in on too. Yeah, I mean, it don't stop at all. So we'll we'll be here to break down everything. The draft is really going to be the next big talk that is going to change a lot. No, for sure, definitely. And then one thing too that that. That I know that we we have to do a better job, of, especially this season. Just as far as me you go, we're we're definitely gonna give the WNBA its flowers and and definitely shed more light on those hoopers because, like we said, basketball never stops. They're part of the game too, and and they definitely it's it's definitely a lot of hoopers out there. The the start of the WNBA season has been exciting. I don't know if people have been watching, but 
I, I like the start of things. I like to see the the super teams now being formed. So so we're definitely going to tap into that side of things as well. Yeah, and shit, the WNBA got to do a better job because that is too true. Much talent out there that got released. We already you know talked about it a little bit, but. Like you said, it's the start of the season's been amazing. Now add in a couple more of those players that should be playing right now instead of being overseas or trying to look for a job. And you know, they gotta I mean, that's the world, but they gotta get it on more national televised games instead of being on Twitter. You can watch their games on Twitter, which is crazy to me. So they gotta fix that, but yeah, it's it's been a a hell of a start. A hell of a start. Yeah, man. And and like you said, I'm going to just co-sign the, the viewership part. There's no reason why as much talent and that's across the league where I have to go search for fucking Ion Television to go watch a, a <laughs> WNBA game. That makes no sense. So WNBA, we definitely got to do better. Let's 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 get these women te- televised. Let's get them put out there on a more national national stage to where the game can continue to grow. Yeah, because that's the only way it is going to grow is if it's thrown in your face at the end of the day. Because you look at the NFL, right? They've been in their offseason since February. They're never not on TV. You look at the NBA, they're never not on TV. Same with even baseball. They play games at sometimes 12.30 p.m., which everybody's at work, damn near. They're never off TV. So if this is a, a national league, why are they not nationally televised? Put them on TV, man. I don't care who's watching. Nobody, you can't tell me everybody's watching baseball at twelve thirty. So what? You can't blame viewership. Put them on TV, man. Throw it in our face and make us watch it. Not us specifically, but you know the the people. Make them watch it. That's all we asking for, man. And, and and before we head on out, man, like we said, like like we started the show, man, end the show on the same note, man. Shout out to our boy Showtime, aka Kalen Crane, man. Again, all you was always a champion, man. Now you are now you stand. Can't wait to get you on the show, big dog. So again, proud of you, man. Salute to you. So we always end the show, man, on, on a positive note. We want to continue to lead the youth, push them in the right direction. We want to protect and support our black women out here, man. And Luke Foley, anything you want to say to the people before we get on out of here? Yeah, man. Salute to y'all for tapping in, listening, checking on us, tweeting us, DMing us, whatever. We appreciate all the support for real, man, and we out of here. Yes, sir. Peace. Peace. Click the subscribe button and make sure to follow us on our Instagram page at Ball Never Lie Pod and our Twitter page, BNL underscore podcast.